Father, we thank you for all that you have entrusted to us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for for Jesus and how he gave everything. He has given everything and given us every reason to trust you with everything we have. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue to lift up our hearts and and seek to honor you with our giving, uh, that you would lead us and that your spirit would comfort us and your spirit would show us the way through this as a church. And we pray for all these things in your name. Amen. David Gate. Are you still not here? Is David not here, Emily? Okay, then we're going to have to go freestyle at the end now. I don't have time to talk to him about it. Come on. It's okay. It's fine for me. You guys and him will be the only ones not going on. All right. I have, you know, um, like I said earlier, we are in a, a series talking about money and about giving. But it's really not about giving and money. It is indirectly. But it's really about our heart. And the belief that God's desire is that all of our life, all of our life is an offering to him. That we believe that everything belongs to him. All the blessings that we have are his. You know, everything belongs to him. And that, and that he wants us to work on this particular area of financial giving. And um, it wasn't about the Sunday that I did the big blue heart talk. I, I, I said that the staff hadn't got paid that week. And I said, you know, it's the first time that's happened. But that's not about this. That's not what's happening. That's not what this week is about. It's God using that situation to get the leadership's attention so that we can begin to look at this area in our church. So that God can really make it something that is powerful, that we're known for, that we're strong in. And so... In a few weeks, in November, we always have our vision talks. They're tied to pledge cards and giving, kind of for 2012. And I want to prepare you for that because that's not really a part of what I'm talking about, about now. And, and today's talk isn't about that. And so that's coming, but this talk is more specifically about, you know, we've been talking about God's love. And what does it look like for our heart to love God with our finances? What does it look like? How does that happen? How do we go from being fearful about what we see happening in our economy and that controlling how we spend to being people that are like, I don't care what's happening with the economy in the world. I trust that the Lord asked me for something. I'm going to give it because I trust in what he is, what he can do, his provision, his faithfulness. That's where my trust is, not in what I see going on around me, not in my own planning but the Lord's plans for me and for my family and for our church. And that's really what we've been talking about. And that's what I want to talk about today a little more. But again, what you're going to hear me specifically say today is that really none of that happens. None of that, that ability to trust God with with our resources and our finances, that doesn't happen unless, I mean, on the long term, unless we're motivated by love. That we will truly be Free in this area, and we will only be free in this area when our desire to do it is not from an obedience that comes from fear or shame or an obedience that comes from faith. I don't feel anything, but I know I'm supposed to, so I'm going to do it anyway. Even though those are legitimate biblical forms of motivation that God uses. I'm going to talk, you'll see one, I'll use one today. I'm going to talk about that today. But ultimately, what God is after is that we would be motivated with a love for him that is so great so powerful 
that, that everything we do for him, everything in every way that we serve him, everything that we give to him will be motivated out of our great love for him. And here's the catch 22, is that that only happens when we experience his love. That we can, and this is what my series was on. You know, this is what I was in the middle of preaching about. That we can only love God after we've experienced his love for us. And so you're going to hear me talk about some hard things today. But know this, in the end, the only hope you have to respond to God in love is by experiencing God's love response to us first. And, you, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you how to do that. I'm going to tell you some ministries we have that will give you the opportunity to experience that. But, but these things are like in worship today, we experience God's love. And our soaking ministry is where we experience God's love with no strings attached. We come and we waste time with Jesus. We soak, we lay down, we soak. We just waste time with Jesus. I want to experience your love. That's what soaking is all about. Your love, more of your love, Lord. And Ignite is the newest thing that we've started where people are experiencing amazing, amazing outpouring of God's love. And so as I talk about these things and your heart and the spirit inside you goes, I want some of that. I feel that pull, Lord. I want to love you more and get from that place. Just know it's not gonna come from studying the word. It's not gonna come from your head. It's gonna have to come from your heart. Not that studying the word doesn't lead to the heart because the spirit does that also. But it's you spending time with God, spending time with God, experiencing God's love. And I'm not talking about feeling necessarily. This isn't a feeling all the time. For some of us, it is. But for a lot of us, you know, we don't feel God, but we can experience his love through our thoughts, through our mind. And so that's where we need to end up. That's where we need to be. If this is, if this is something, an area of your life that you're struggling with, giving. And, and I, don't, I don't know what people give in our church. I don't look at the numbers. But this is something that God's laid on our heart. And so I'm saying, as we struggle with this, as you struggle with this, just know the only hope you have is, by, is to experience God's love. And only experiencing God's love will you love him more and love his kingdom and give to it with excitement and joy and expectation that he's gonna provide for you. Father, we pray right now that as I read this huge chunk of scripture, you will move through the power of your spirit and open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna set you up for a story in Haggai. I know, Haggai. Oh my word. If, if I'll just tell you that if there was a book in the Bible that God gave church leaders for a building campaign, it would be the book of Haggai. But remember, this is not about a building campaign. We've been given a building that we can't move in because we don't have the money. So that's not what this is about. But when you read this, when I show you Haggai, you are going to freak. When you, I, I never read this before. Two different, I mean, I had because I've, you know, I've taken this book in seminaries, one of the books I took. But somehow I just missed it or I ignored it or I didn't like it. So I just like skipped over it or did the cliff read or whatever, just read the notes or something in the Bible. But two different people have told me over the last two weeks about Haggai. So I'm like, I'm soaking last night wondering, Lord, what is it you have for our church? How am I going to get at our heart today? And he says, go read the book of Haggai, idiot. I told you to, to do it. I mean, how random is the book of Haggai? But to set up the book of Haggai and the message of Haggai, I want to read the book of Deuteronomy. What you're thinking, that's even worse. <laughs> I was going to use Leviticus, but that's even worse than Deuteronomy. Not bad, but just harder, you know. So I want to read this to you and then I'm going to give you some context about what's going on here, okay. 
And the talk's very short after the scripture, but this sets us up, and I feel like God's going to speak to us right through his word today. Okay? I'm just going to have to make some clarification on it. So here we go. Deuteronomy. You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going to over to possess. So this is God speaking to the nation of Israel before they crossed the Jordan River. And he's promising them, look, I got something for you. You need to obedient, be obedient and obey me and go get it. Take possession. And you may live long, uh, that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. And David talked about that last week. What that means is a land flowing, you know, an, an invitation from God the Father saying, I have everything that you need. Come to me. I'll give you all the nutrition you need. I'll give you everything is through because of my intimate love for you. Come to me because I love you. And what I'm going to offer you is the sweetest thing that you could ever experience. And, and honey, and it will never perish through honey. And again, that talk last week that David gave was great when it talked about those things. A land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. The world, it's not like the world. Some of what I'm gonna talk about today. Is the desires of the world don't compare to the land that the Lord has for us. The invitation to give out of love it's incomparable. It's filled with the richness of God in a way that will just crush the things that we've held on to in the world, okay? The land you're entering is not like Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables, but the land that you're going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So this invitation that God is having for Israel, is just this beautiful invitation of, of, of hills and valleys and the, this land that he has chosen for them, he's created for them, he cares for them, his eyes are on, that he's gonna take care of in a unique and special and powerful way. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, and this is it, this is the commandment he's, he uses to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. He will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give you grass. Give, he will give grass in your fields for your livestock and you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land the Lord is giving you. This is God motivating with fear. This is the Lord motivating his people with fear. You see that? I'm gonna show you, it's in the New Testament too. Okay. The command, though, is to love the Lord your God. And he doesn't list, you know, the 613 Old Testament commands. You know, that's how many there were. He doesn't list those. He lists the most important one. And God's call to his nation is not to be perfect. It's to be loyal. That's what he wants. He wants their loyalty. Just don't worship other gods. Just love me the most. Love me as your best God. I, I, just love me as the, I am the greatest God. Don't go anywhere else to the false gods. Just love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Just love me. That's his call. 
And that's his call to us today. It's the same. Okay? You shall lay there for, lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I just, I, I think of that Steve Martin, you know, the, you know, he gets the eyeglass thing, and it's right there, and it makes him cross-eyed in the end. Most of you didn't ever see that movie. I think it's The Jerk. But, you know, but the, but the picture is, put this, put this everywhere, that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Put it on your forehead, put it on your hand, put it on your doorpost, so you don't forget to do it. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children will be, may be multiplied in the land of the Lord. Swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. <laughs> For if you will be careful to do all this commandment, that I have commanded you to do, loving the Lord your God, there it is again, walking in all his ways and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispose nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the, Le- to the Lebanon and from the river, the river Euphrates to the Western Sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he has promised you. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Reaping and sowing. It's the first place we see it is in the Old Testament. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, to love him, to love him. That's the command. Just love me the most. Just make me your God. That's all I'm asking. Be loyal to me. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. Blessings and curses began in the Old Testament. Reaping and sowing is what we see in the New Testament. The invitation to the nation of Israel is this. Look, I love you. I've made you my people. I want people to see my power through you. I want to bless you. I want to take you to the land of milk and honey. I'm going to provide everything for you. Everything I'm going to provide for you, right? The only thing I ask is that you just love and serve me. Don't wander off into the world and love and serve the world. That's all I ask. Just be loyal to me. And that we, they had great reason to be loyal to God. He was taken to a land where he was going to provide everything. Amazing land where it says heaven touched earth. You know, the rain of heaven. I mean, just an amazing. It wasn't like he was, you know, it was just amazing. Amazing opportunity. I mean, it's kind of like you're like, duh. Why, why would they wander from him? But he says, if you do, there's consequences. If you wander from me, there's a curse. And the curse is... And, and then he goes on another place to talk about this, that you're going to lose everything that I want to give you. If you serve yourself, if you serve other gods, you are going to lose it. You're going to lose it. And you know what happened? They served other gods. And they lost everything. He's, he divided the nation. There were corrupt kings that came in the line. And the kings led the nations astray from the Lord. They worshiped other gods. The, nation, the story of the nation of Israel is God saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Come into my presence, come experiencing my love, come experience my love, I'll provide for you. And them saying, okay, that sounds good. And then, and then them going after other gods. And that's the story of the nation of Israel. And then they're divided into two kingdoms. One kingdom is conquered by Assyria. The other kingdom is conquered by Babylon. They go into exile. They lose everything. Their families are split up. Their wives are made prostitutes. Their children are made slaves. And it's just a mess. It's a mess. And then, and the temple's destroyed. Solomon's temple's destroyed. 
And then God says, I'm going to rebuild my temple. I'm going to restore the nation of Israel. And there's these prophets come on the scene talking about and encouraging the nation of Israel to obey God again. Come back to God. And the book of Haggai, what's happened is, through the Spirit, God convinces the pagan king, Cyrus, to let the remnant of Israel go, to go rebuild the temple. It's one of those great stories that allow us to trust the government that God has put over us. Regardless of who we voted for or who we think should be in power, God can use everyone and anyone to function and to do the things that he's called us to do. And in this situation, God releases through this king, Cyrus, that doesn't love him, who's a pagan, a remnant, a small group of, Israel, of, of, of the nation of Israel from captivity to go, be, to go rebuild the temple. And Haggai is saying, the time is now. It's time to rebuild the temple. And they have like these excuses. Well, the time's not now. It's a bad time. Look at the economy. And they, look, they have historical records that the economy wasn't good for I mean, there's a small group of them. They're really weak. And they're like, the time's not good right now. We shouldn't do it right now. It's bad timing, Lord. And then, the, and then Haggai comes and prophesies. He says, oh boy, it's the right time. And let me tell you what the Lord says. And this is where we pick up Haggai. Thus says the Lord of hosts. That's a, that's a term, means... And it's a term of authority. The Lord of hosts means the God of great armies, of powerful armies. It talks about God's sovereignty and power over everything is what the Israelites would have heard with that term. And God's desire to be trusted and to know that he is faithful with everything that he does possess for his nation. And so he's saying right from the get-go, let me remind you of who I said I am and what I can do as the sovereign Lord of all the armies. And he goes in and says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Which were basically paneled houses were like, not just like the basic homes, like wood, nice decorated. So basically what's happening in the scene is the nation, they tricked out their own houses. You know, they've made their own houses really nice at the expense of the Lord's. Then the word of the Lord came. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies, while this house, the house of the Lord, lies in ruin? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, there's that word again, consider your ways. Look at how you're living. You have, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You're still hungry. You drink, but you never have your fill. You're still thirsty. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. You might look good to the world. You might look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's still emptiness. There's void. There's cold. There's separation between us. You clothe yourself, but no one. And, you, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. You're working for money and you're getting money, but it's just wasted. It's wasted. It just goes into a bag and just wastes away. Thus says the Lord of the hosts, consider your ways. Think about the way that you're living. Think about the way that you're giving. Think about how you're spending your money and your time. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house 
that I may that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified," says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. Remember the promise? Remember? What did he say? What am I going to do? It's going to stop raining. I'm going to stop providing for you. I'm going to cease the blessings and you're going to experience the curse. And that's what's happening. Because of my house that lies in ruins. Why? Because you've gone away. You've worshiped other gods. You satisfied your flesh. You've built your homes. You've built your businesses. You've done the things that you've wanted to do. You've basically worshiped other gods. That's what he's saying to them. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. Remember, all this has been prophesied. This is what's gonna happen if you disobey me and run away, the Lord says. And I have called... I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil. Those are all the things that he mentioned, isn't it? Exactly, to a T, the wine, the oil, the bread and the grain. He ceases it on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared. 7,881,000. Seven, That's how many kids we have. One, oh, sorry, Emily. 111. Good grief. Okay. And the words of Haggai the prophet and the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. They saw what God was doing. They heard the voice of the Lord. And they heard it and said, oh my word, look at what we've done. We need to change. They feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. So God stirs up. He tells them teaches them what's happening. He shows them what's happening, but then he acknowledges, this is not gonna change. Nothing's going to change unless I do a work in my spirit, unless my spirit changes their heart. And that's what he does. So God moves and changes their heart. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, this is basically, it's basically telling you it's been one month since all that happened, it started. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say, the first time God spoke was only to the leadership. The second time he speaks is to all the people who've been working, all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? 60 years old, he's saying, how many of you remember the house, my, my house that Solomon built? How many of you remember its glory, its splendor, its magnificence? How, how many of you remember that? How, you saw this house in its former glory, my house. How do you see it now? It is nothing in your eyes. It is nothing in your eyes. Again, the Lord is showing them the consequence of your disobedience has has. has I mean, the result of your disobedience has consequences. And it's a house that doesn't look as glorious as it once did. 
but he stirred their spirits and he's getting to encourage them and give them hope. How do you see it now? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel declares to the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the leader, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all the remnant. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Why? Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant, the promise that I've made to you when you came out of Egypt. He's referring back. Remember the promises I told you? To bless you and to prosper you and to make you a great, strong, and powerful nation. He's saying, remember those things? So he's reminding them again. He's stirring that up in them again. My spirit remains in your midst. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. This is what's happening. This is the only thing I'm going to tell you about. That last sentence, the latter glory of the house is a prophetic word about what God is going to do in this new move of the spirit as he kindles their spirit. It might not look as glorious. It might not seem as powerful. It might not be as beautiful on the outside. But when my spirit moves, it will become greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. In this place, and in this place, there will be peace. And so this promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Christ comes and he says, come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, I will give you rest. And there's, I mean, I could go into a lot of other pictures and signs and things that talk about this promise is to us, is God's people. His desire is for his, his house, for this house to become a place of peace. And as we read the New Testament, what we realize, what we read is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We become the residing place of the Spirit. We are the place that God desires to bring his shalom, his peace in every area of our life. In every area of our life. He's saying, I want to, where I reside, where you make me, where you're loyal to me and I reside, there will be peace and there will be rest and there will be comfort and there will be healing and there will be transformation and restoration, all those things that we always talk about. But it comes and going back to the first love and realizing that Christ, that God, through the power of the Spirit, the love that he has for us, has to be the source of all life in our life. Here's the other cool thing about this. Is that this is also a prophetic word for the future of what will happen physically. Is that there will be a day when God will shake the nations and, the, and, the, and the, the great temple of the Lord will be, and we'll worship together. And some people believe it will be before heaven on earth. Some people will be in heaven. But the promise is, and what that shows us is that we're on this journey together of bringing and restoring with the, what has been lost because of our disobedience. We, like the nation of Israel, we, like the nation of Israel, can wander. And as we wander, we will reap what we sow. Because I know there's people in the audience thinking, well, Antley, that's the Old Testament. That's not, how the God, that's not how God treats us now. But the law of reaping and sowing is still true today. Even though we're under grace, we have grace now to succeed and to, you know, to accomplish the law. But if we take second priorities, if we prioritize second priorities in our life, even good priorities in our life, they're building houses, they're providing for their children, they're growing, they're doing the things. They weren't doing bad things, but they're doing it as a priority over Giving to the house of the Lord. 
And as they neglected that, there was a consequence. As we neglect that, there's a consequence. Galatians 6, 7 and 10 says this. I mean, Jesus says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God first. First, seek first the kingdom of God. Then everything else will be added to you. That's basically what he told him back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Seek first me, my love for you, and I'll give you everything. Jesus says the same words in Matthew and throughout the gospels, calling people back to himself. But then in Galatians 6, 7, and 10, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't mock me. Don't talk about grace, that you're under freedom, that you have freedom to do whatever you want. Don't talk to me about, don't mock me on what I've given to give you grace. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. In the household of faith, our family. Fear-based obedience. It's biblical. God uses it. But it will eventually wear out and we will give up because the enticing, what, what, what sin offers us is too good, is too tasty, is too pleasurable. And we might for a while allow fear to direct us to God and to be obedient. But like the nation of Israel, we've seen, eventually we'll give up. Oh, faith-based obedience. I know the Bible says this. I'm going to do it. I need to do it. I mean, we've all been there. It's important that we are obedient. At times when we don't feel like it, we don't feel anything, but we do it anyway. That too will wear off. It will wear off. It's only when we have experienced God's love, affection-based obedience, obedience that flows out of experiencing God's love, that we will be able to last and make it, and that we will not choose sin. And that's why I began with this invitation. It is about experiencing the presence of God. Without God stirring the spirit, without us experiencing the power of God in our lives, the love of God in our lives, we will remain hungry for something. God's created us for life to the full, to be full of life and excitement and joy. The law was not given to fulfill us. The law was given so that we would not wander from the, the filler The law was given so we would not wander from God and we would go and be filled by God. But if we're not being filled up by God, we will get filled somewhere. We will go somewhere to be filled. We are created with that hunger. God's given us that hunger. But the hunger is for himself. That's why ignite, wasting time with God, soaking, worship. Those are the mechanisms where our heart is experienced and filled with God. Spending time with God in the word. That's where we experience God's love. That's where we are filled with God. And when we get filled with God and we're, we're full, we get filled with God. We're overflowing. We're like, I'm, I'm full. Look at that, baby. I'm full with God. We come in, we taste the Lord and I'm full. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, I don't want that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I'm full. Why would I go there? That's crazy. C.S. Lewis says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with alcohol and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. We are like an ignorant child who wants to, wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine 
what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea or a feast that the Lord will offer us. We keep eating mud pies when the Lord has laid out a feast for us. We are like ignorant children because we're not being filled in the Lord. If you're fearful about giving to the Lord, then be filled with the Lord. If you're unable to give big chunks of money, if you feel like the Lord leads you, then go be filled with the Lord. And if he's leading you to do that, you'll be able to. If you're struggling, if you're in debt, and you're, and you're justifying not giving anything to the Lord because you're in debt, then go spend time and be filled with the Lord, and you will find a way to give to the Lord. If this part of your heart has become hard, and you're squirming, and you're getting angry right now, and you wish that Aileen would just go back and talk about God's love, I am. I am. Because you need to go back and be filled with the Lord. We, we, we're not, you know, I wish I could move on from this, but I can't. Because the most important thing that we as a church need to learn is to be filled with the Lord to experience the Lord, to love the Lord, to believe that what he offers is so tasty, is so good, is so rich that nothing in the world compares to it. And when the world offers us anything, we easily just say, no thanks, I'm full, thank you. So let's stand. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor, all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I was praying about this talk. That was the verse that the Lord just kept laying on my heart. Come to me. His invitation for all of us. David, if you're in the house, I need you up front. (laughs) I was calling for you earlier, dude. The call of Jesus is to come to him. Just come to him. That's what this talk is about. That's what giving is about. I don't want you to go home and write a check because you feel guilty or you feel distant or you feel disobedient or you feel fearful. I don't want that. I want you to come to Jesus this week. I want you to experience God's love this week. I want you to fall back in love, your first love again. And you start having conversations with your spouse about Oh my gosh, how much, you you know, and you start arguing about how much you're going to give because you feel led to give because you want to give because you're filled with God's love. We don't have a lot of that going on right now. And we all struggle with this. This week, the Lord showed me this. He showed me this so clearly. I'm going to end with this and we're going to invite people to have ministry. There's someone who, who, who lost their TV, right? Someone who's close to me that I know well. They lost their TV. Something happened to it. It doesn't work anymore. And, I mean, they don't even have cable. I mean, they're sacrificial givers. They don't even have cable. And they came over, and they were telling me they lost their TV. And we're going to put their little girl down in the room. And I got my third TV. The third TV I have is this big plasma that I bought, you know, that's up on this, you know, it's my third TV. And they have no TV. And they're in there, and he's like, wow, man, that's an awesome TV. They didn't say anything. And I was the whole time the Lord saying, give it to him, give it to him. Give him your freaking TV, Antley. Give him your TV. You know he's, he's blew up. Give him your TV. And I'm like, I love that TV. 
Oh, I just love sitting and watching Sports Center on my TV. You know, it's, and I didn't do it. I, could, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't. And the whole week, the Lord's been saying, you love that TV more than you love me, Antley Fowler. You love that TV. You love the comfort that it brings in your life. And it's become a curse. It feels like a burden now. I want to get rid of it. I'll take it. My wife's like, if you get rid of it, we're not buying a new one. <laughs> but that's how it is, isn't it? It's, I'm, just, I'm saying that to let you know I am in the boat. I, we are in this boat as a family. And this is a, this is a struggle and attention, but we're going to stay here. I want to love the Lord more. I want you to love the Lord more. And we're, gonna, we're on this journey together that is exciting and filled with life and risk. So right now, we're going to invite the presence of God to come, that we would experience his love so that all of us would let go of the things that either cause us fear or cause us comfort or cause us our hearts to wander from the Lord. So if you'd like to come forward for ministry, that'd be great. We're running a little late today. I want everyone to stay and participate if we could. I mean, who could not want more of God's presence after that awesome talk from Haggai? So we're just going to start to pray. Wander forward if you'd like. Our prayer ministers will be up here. But everybody, why not just say, Lord, I want to experience more of your love right now. I want my heart to, to want to love you more. Jody, if you're in the house, or someone could tell Jody to tell Amy that we're, just, we're running a little late, that'd be great. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And stir us up. Begin to stir us up. And the longing we have to experience more of his love would grow greater in our heart. Ignite. This is perfect timing. Ignite is this Saturday at midnight. From midnight to 6 a.m. If you want to experience more of God's love, show up for 15 minutes, for an hour, for part of that time. Soaking every Monday night. The Lazarus house. It's on the web. Talk to Martha. Come and worship on Wednesdays with us. Spend time with the Lord soaking on your own. That's where our heart is transformed and we fall more in love with God and we will easily give then to his ministries. Father, we thank you for the love that comes as we experience your spirit. We know that we need your spirit though to experience love and to love you back. And Lord, as a church, we pray that, man, that you would just continue to work on this area of our heart, that you would not allow us to justify our way out of it, that you would not allow us to be satisfied any longer with the world, but that we would develop a hunger that can only be satisfied for you, a hunger for more of your love and the life that comes from you. That our obedience would move from being motivated by fear and faith to being motivated by love. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Pour out the Father's love on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour out the Father's love on us now. Just wait now. Come, Holy Spirit. More of your love, Lord. More of your love this, this morning. Just come, Lord. Just come, Lord. Just more of your love. Come, Holy Spirit, more of your love. More of your love, Lord. 
As we invite the Holy Spirit, it's not about feeling anything. Some of us might, but the Lord always sends the Spirit when we ask. He's here right now. He's bringing freedom right now. He's giving His love right now. As you seek Him, Scripture tells us that we will always find Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Pour out your love.